The Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at the origin story for the Consummate Athlete, the whole idea and where we sort of came up with this idea of of being good at moving and incorporating a lot of different movements into our day and and looking at the the why we we might want to do this, right? So I, I, I thought the best place to start was sort of with our inception moment where we first started talking about this idea together. Do you remember where we were? Of course I do. We were in that really weird little cabin in Big Bear in California. Um, we had just like spent the winter riding and running and swimming and everything in California, getting ready for mountain bike season. And we were in this little cabin and we had just kind of started talking about the idea of you know, starting a podcast around endurance sport, but then we realized we didn't want it to just be around being particularly good at bike racing or trail running or, you know, any kind of racing. We, we had this friend who kind of gave us this idea. Um, I'm going to call him the James Bond of athletes. That's, that was more my idea with the consummate athlete name was being the James Bond of athletes. Right. Right. Cause you wanted to incorporate some element of being sort of competent seeming and just calm i guess yeah like you could parachute into a kiteboarding competition and then you know jump onto the beach crush a beach volleyball game uh run into the woods and do like a 10 miler and then you know climb a mountain and then downhill to the bottom of it right and and that's maybe the dream right we may we may not get there and that's not the point but our our friend was uh, had been a elite athlete in an endurance sport and when we went out to visit them, he had since, you know, connected in all these different sporting areas in the community. And, and it just struck us that he was still very good at cycling, uh, you know, technically, physically was, was very good, but then had also expanded his abilities. And again, the connections in the community by taking on skiing or taking on hiking or running or, uh, what else was he doing? He had a bunch of different stuff, motorcycles and, and all these different areas, right? And it was not just the movement or the exercise or the, the training, quote unquote. It was also just, it was so, so like ingrained in his day, so stacked into his day that, you know, the, the movement was augmenting and improving his life. And, and some of this exercise was happening just by hanging out with people, right? He had, you know, a, a date to go and do, you know, had to leave us. He picked us up you know, wherever we were from the train station. And then he had to go meet someone to go for a run and then was coming back and he'd ride with us later in the afternoon or something. Right. And so it just struck us how the movement had become so built into his day, but also was like spiraling out uh, and improving things. Right. Yeah. And he'd really formed, you know, a pretty excellent community around it. And I think, you know, for, for both of us, we definitely found a ton of community through cycling. Um, but over the last couple of years, it's also been really neat getting to find communities in, in other sports. Right. And, and it's scary leaving the sport that you know. As someone who's been cycling most of my adult life, we'll say, uh, to go into something like trail riding where, A, you might not be as skilled or as, you know, I guess, quote unquote, respected. You know, you're just a newbie, you know, just another person running. 
but it, it's also freeing in a lot of ways because you can see progress so quickly and you can interact with people on a different level. And it just struck us that the, the opportunities to do this were, were so, so good. And you mentioned being in B, B or sorry, in California and just how we had been using all these different sports to get movement in our day over the course of that winter. And, and, and as a coach and as an athlete, it struck me that this cross training was so important to building up the athlete. Right. And, and it, yeah, really like better armoring them sort of for, for not just their sport, but also then for everyday life. Because I mean, how many athletes have you known who uh, had their kid jump on them and suddenly they're they're out for the season because, it you know, they pulled a back muscle because of it or something. Right, right. I often talk about the, the what you say, it's an adult male cyclist who doesn't want to strength train because it won't improve their cycling, they don't think. But, uh, you know, I try and make the argument that we're actually not directly trying to improve your cycling. I, I think it does improve cycling, but you're actually trying to armor yourself so that when your kid jumps on you, you don't throw at your back and then you can't go bicycle riding. And, and we, we agree that bicycle riding is performance enhancing. So armoring yourself to be able to go bicycle riding is, you know, performance enhancing. Uh, so that was sort of the argument around strength training, but also cross training then armors you in another way because, you know, we're maybe traveling. So you're a business person, you have to go on a business trip. You can just bring your running shoes, your strength, you can do core yoga in your room you know you have all these things that are sort of you enjoy you like pursuing these new things you treat them as opportunities rather than blockages right uh, to your life and and it, it also improves our consistency because if i can run when the weather's poor but everyone else is either stuck indoors cycling or not riding not able to ride you know then this is increasing my my volume perhaps increasing my consistency which is very important from a strictly training perspective, but I think also from a health perspective, right? Moving consistently through the day, through the years. Yeah. And I mean, I think both of us can say, you know, since we started this podcast um, almost, I think four years ago now, I think both of our, our actual like purpose, like our, sorry, our like racing goals have been better because we've been doing more of these like consummate athlete lifestyle kind of things versus when we were both just focusing on training for our very specific racing. I think you're, you know, despite the fact that we're getting older, I think we're probably both healthier and more resilient than we were four years ago because, you know, we've really taken a lot of the things that we've, you know, been told on this podcast to heart and really started practicing those cross training things and adding more, you know, bits and pieces of movement to our day. Like when Katie Bowman came on and talked about how movement matters and walking and walking with weighted stuff. And, you know, we had Aaron Taylor on talking about how important yoga is for athletes. Um, you know, all of those things have kind of shifted our, our daily habits and added daily movement in ways that we never would have prioritized before. Like four years, I mean, seven years ago when we met, we did not really do like daily walks where we, you know, got to talk about stuff and, you know, maybe we're carrying groceries and I've got a little bit of extra strength training in there. And, you know, we have this time out in nature. We didn't, we didn't make time for that seven years ago. Yeah. And that Katie Bowman episode and Katie Bowman's works great. We'll link to any of the episodes we mentioned in, in the show, in the, in the show notes for this as well. Uh, but the, her idea of stacking, I use this term often is, is this idea of going for a walk, but it's also your social time with your spouse or a friend or a phone call, 
you're maybe getting errands, you're getting your outdoor nature time, you're getting some low-level cardio, you're also maybe doing some mobility for those arms and ankles and hips are moving through range of motion. So you're stacking a lot of stuff. And, and it's a compelling reason when we talk about who is the consummate athlete. You're not necessarily an Olympic athlete. I would say we've had a bunch on the show who who are very much consummate athletes and incorporate these same ideas into their lives. But we're, we're really, are, are the people we love, we love you, 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 all you great consummate athletes out there. That's true. And, and we, we don't have time, right? Like there's only so much time in the day. So this idea of stacking is that we're building the movement, the exercise, the training into our day, right? So we're, we're walking, we're maybe riding with a friend, we're riding to get you know, errands, but this idea of using many different sports is increasing. If, if we're going to call it training, we're going to increase our training load because yes, I do my interval workout on my bicycle, but then maybe I also am going to go for a big long walk in the afternoon. Maybe that's again with a, with a dog, if Molly's lucky, or maybe it's, you know, with Molly and we're doing errands. And, and so it's this idea of multitasking or stacking. And I think this is a big thing we've stolen from Katie Bowman for the consummate athlete, because that's, that's what we're talking about, right? Is this idea of integrating movement into our, our larger lives. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the great sort of side uh, bonus benefit of that is that you actually get better at your, the sport that you're focused on. And I mean, ultimately, I think you end up realizing that that even that doesn't matter as much as being kind of generally healthy and be, being able to go on any type of adventure. But the cool thing is, you know, doing that five minutes of yoga in the morning or, you know, going for that, that walk is actually probably going to make you better at your sport. And I mean, you know, we've had on a lot of different Olympic athletes, like Peter said, you know, Katarina Nash, Catherine Pendrell, and, it, you know, in the off season, when they're not mountain biking or cyclocross racing or, you know, prepping for those, a lot of the time they're out hiking or backcountry skiing or cross-country skiing. Um, you know, we've had Catherine Pendrell on and she's talking about her cross-country skiing in the winter. And she's, you know, literally training for the Olympics that year. And she's still cross-country skiing despite being a mountain biker. Yeah. And it struck me that we're losing that in a lot of sports. Uh, again, Olympic and elite somewhat aside, but we're we're losing the the cross training the the general preparation period and and for most of us general preparation is life right like this is all the time pretty much with periods of maybe a little bit of focus for a, a challenge or the races in four weeks I need to get very specifically ready for this demand. Well, I was gonna say I feel like actually amateur athletes in particular, the ones that are busy tend to lose the general prep really quickly because, you know, they don't necessarily have like the time to do these other sports. So they get so tunnel visioned on just the one thing that they're focused on. And I think that ends up being detrimental. Yeah. And that reminds me of the, we've had Steven Seiler on twice now and his idea of polarized training and recently with his, his no pain, no gain Ted talk. And, and as masters athletes, as time limited athletes, we, it's very tempting to try and just drill yourself into the ground constantly. Every time you can exercise, you only have your one hour to train. And so you must go super hard because you can't go long. So you need to go super hard is, is the misbelief, the myth, right? So with our consummate athlete idea is we're trying to really emphasize that a lot of our movement is enjoyable. You know, it's not maximal. It's, you know, not to your limits, but sometimes we do go hard, right? And this is the idea of polarized training. It's well-supported, 
but we're trying to build an enjoyment of exercise because this is where the habit of exercise of movement comes is it's enjoyable, right? And, and you're motivated still at the end. You haven't, you know, fallen down on the ground and it's painful so that you don't want to come back. That's completely logical that if you're completely <laughs> debilitated, you don't want to do the thing again. This right? is why so many people start running and then immediately stop running. Right. And so we've made the argument, what if you just tried to go walking, whatever time of day is convenient, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but whatever you can, and for a much shorter period than you want to, and start there. Because when that starts becoming routine and easy, you might go further and you might want to go faster. Yeah, when I when I first learned to run and bearing in mind that I was an unathletic kid, like the person who like pretended to faint or throw up to avoid the mile in gym class, if anyone remembers those horrible timed miles. Um, And when I was, you know, in my early 20s, I wanted to start getting in shape or running. And, you know, I tried over the years as as a teenager does, you know, going out and doing a run and I get, you know quarter of a mile and just be like completely cracked because I had no idea how to run. Um, and when I finally decided I was going to try, I, what I did was I mapped out what a mile was on my, on my like very gridded street and I would run a block and I would walk a block and I would run a block and I would walk a block. And I did that probably for like three months, just one mile every morning in my like Sophie gym shorts that were folded over. A bunch of women listening are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. My like gross t-shirts, um, you know, not at all ready to be a runner. But, you know, every morning I went out and did that. And eventually it got where I could run two blocks and walk one and then run, you know, three blocks and walk one. Um, and, you know, after like six months, I, I could actually run a mile, but it was it was not a fast process. So I, I feel the pain of like anyone coming to any of these sports later in life and trying them and kind of immediately just being like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I think that's where it's one topic that we look at. And I think you bring a nice element to the podcast in that you do have that. You, you It wasn't just like this, hey, you were born into, you know, with a football in your hand or something, right? I feel like I shut down as soon as we, we talk to anyone that's like, oh, yes, I was very athletic as a child. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I think that's good. And I think the episodes like the Katie Bowman episode, I'm trying to think, can you think of other ones? There's a, a couple marathon episodes that are, are sort of people who have picked up running later in life. Yeah, we had Carolyn Schley on in November for her first marathon. Um, and she, she'd been running for quite a few years by the time she was about to tackle this first marathon, the New York City one last November. Um, but you know, it was great getting the perspective of someone who didn't come to running early in life, wasn't, you know, racing cross country from the time they were seven years old or something. Um, so yeah, I think it's been cool having some athletes on who just were not athletic as kids. Yeah. And, and so I think we want to be mindful that we are all coming at this from different angles, right? Some of us are coming out of, you know, an elite sport and trying to find that's sort of my... Some of us figure skated as children. <laughs> hey, what you try? Uh, that's a, an important part of my physical development. I know. Um, Very consummate athlete. And, and so you're trying to find this more general prep, you know, active for life type mindset. And then other people are trying to find exercise for whatever, a health-based reason, for their kids, for, you know, a variety, a whole bunch of, and that's sort of what we're exploring here. Um, did you have more thoughts on that? Uh, Not on that specifically. I think we can also maybe talk about, okay, so a consummate athlete, you know, they have all this cross training and stuff. um, And we've talked about the daily movement. But I think the other the other side of the coin, too, is the the idea of habits that support your training, not and and your movement, not just, you know, if we move for an hour a day, so we have like an hour a day to train if we're 
you know, pretty big time crunched or whatever. That's, uh, I think it's 4% of your day. So what are you doing with the other 96%? And, you know, how can you sort of better make that actually like help your training and work with your training? Um, So I think a lot of what we talk about on the show is, you know, this idea of how to be ready for any adventure sort of at any time. Um, I think both of us can say one of our favorite moments in the last year is when we were driving back up to Ontario from New Jersey and we just had a pretty hectic three weeks of work and race coverage and racing and a bunch of stuff had gone on and we were just like so excited to get home and we were probably three hours from from getting back to our place and our friend texted us and was like hey do you guys want to fast pack the Algonquin Upper Westlands Trail this weekend and it was I think Thursday Um, we were completely exhausted and I was just like absolutely not we're not doing that no chance not even sort of interested and five minutes later, we texted him. We're like, yeah, okay, we're in. Uh, we'll, we'll see you there Friday <laughs> Friday evening or Saturday morning or whenever. Yeah, Friday evening. Um, so I think we were lucky, though, that we'd had these daily habits in place, you know, kind of the lifestyle habits that go around training that made it so that we could show up and do an 80K fast pack without it completely cracking us. Yeah, and I, I almost look at that as there's habits there for sure, which we can talk more about that in a second as well, the sort of initial habit development, but the the sort of skills almost you could call those where we had been using a bit of backpacking, you know, just doing some sort of rock hikes, so weighted pack hikes, which, you know, starts with walking to start off with and then walking on uneven ground and hillier walks and so forth. Um, so having that sort of habit, there's a bit of gear associated with that too, but a bit of that experience that at least you could go and try this bigger challenge because you've edged into that with a couple from a di- couple different skills or sport perspectives, right? Um, and, and being fit enough and, and s- s- all these different elements that fit into that, right? I think strength training probably would help with that as well. Um, but I wonder if we, we take that. So that's, that's a being ready for anything. I think that's an important part of James Bond getting dropped out of a plane into whatever sport I guess he's doing, but okay, look, my metaphor doesn't hold up <laughs> that well, but I really like it. But the other thing, I think the more initial thought then is, especially for people who are, are just coming to activity, uh, or struggling with motivation, then is, is this sort of habit formation, right? This initial habit, like from zero to 1%, you know? I think my favorite story that we've ever heard about that is uh, we had the ultra runner and uh, coffee roaster, Jax Maria, Sean. Right. Um, I think it was two or three years ago. We'll have to link to that one in the show notes. I, I love her. She's awesome. And for some reason, she this casual thing that she mentioned stuck with me. And it's something that I love. Every morning, she makes herself a French press of coffee. And a French press takes, I think it's two minutes to brew, 90 seconds to two minutes. I think it's three to four, but it depends on the size okay, and, whatever. Your, and your, your strategy, I guess. At any rate, while she waits for it to brew, that's when she does her air squats and planks and stuff like that. Right. Um, and, you know, that was a thing. She was standing around waiting for this coffee to brew anyway. And she's taken that two minutes of time and stacked the habit of just doing, you know, just that little bit of core work, plyometrics, et cetera. That that strikes me as a a habit pairing, right? Like uh, when I'm working with coaching clients, a lot of times what we try and do is find uh, something you're doing. We all do something out of habit, right? It could be a bad habit, a good habit. It could be what you consider a nothing habit, right? You wake up at some point every day 
and then you do some stuff, right? Jax makes her French press. Likely you make some sort of warm beverage in the morning or some sort of food. There's some sort of habit there, right? You brush your teeth. You go to work at a certain time. You, um, what, are, what are some other habits that people might do? Uh, brushing your teeth, showering would probably be a right. good one. Right, there's all sorts of elements there, right? And so it's one strategy, one you know wedge we can sometimes drive is is to try and pair stuff, right? And it may seem like oh, you know, ten push-ups and ten air squats while my coffee's brewing is nothing, but in that same analogy of starting with a shorter walk than you want to, sometimes these like easy pairings, it's like well, you've been doing ten more squats and ten more push-ups than you used to do every morning for the last year so a you've grooved that and now you've sort of paired almost like a dog with that like pavlovian signals right you've paired coffee and some squats and so now your habits when i ask what habits do you do well i do squats and push-ups and you might not even associate those two things together it's just part of like what we might call a routine so then it's like well why don't you do a full strength workout occasionally right? Or, or every day or, or whatever, right? And so it's sometimes these like small little bite-sized pieces possibly paired with something can be really, really empowering, right? And those can be those starts, right? We all have to start somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that comes down to environment. So I mean, thinking about those things that you're doing where you can squeeze in the movement. And then uh, my friend, Jesse Zappa, who actually was on the podcast talking about running and art therapy a while back, um, she actually just started putting her yoga mat next to her bed. So she literally like gets out of bed and stands onto her yoga mat. So then it's like under her toes and like she can't really avoid the fact that it's rolled out. That's sort of like next level of leave your workout clothes out in the morning, right? Is like I think it's the easier version of that, right? Because you can you can do the yoga in your pajamas. I I'm actually a huge fan of like the in home in pajama morning thing because I do think like unless you you have to, it's a lot harder to change clothes and like get dressed and go out and do a workout in the morning versus right. doing one in your own home. So kind of, yeah, taking down as many barriers to entry as you possibly can. Yeah. And those obstacles and barriers are, are part of it, right? You mentioned the environment. So setting up the environment so that the, it's successful. This would be, you know, keeping bad food out of the house. A lot of times it's, there's sort of these hot and cold moments. So it might be when you're grocery shopping, you're probably hopefully not starving or, you know, it's not the late night watching the TV scenario. So you, you could make a, a decision then maybe that's much easier than when, you're in the house late at night and it's like, should I go to bed or should I have, you know, a bunch of whatever people have, you know, dessert, um, you know, a second dessert. I dislike you so much for the fact that you couldn't think of something. Sorry. Do you want an apple? (laughs) Um, He's the worst guys. I mean, we all, I I have the same stuff, right? So it's, and and the common one I'm trying to think towards workout, but we'll stick on this food thing for a second would be the common goal is sort of, the second glass of wine or skipping some nights of wine, right? And and sometimes you can substitute things with tea or something like that. Sometimes it's just booking an appointment, right? To be out of the house, you know, where you can't drink that particular night. And, and that's an example of changing the whole environment, the whole routine. And and then you didn't even have to make that decision, right? It's like, well, you were out, you couldn't, you know, you, you had to go to this talk at the library or something, right? Or, Or go play a sport more appropriately here right maybe you sign up for a handball league or something every thursday right and it's like well every thursday is you don't drink or do one of those sweet like spin classes where you have the candles lit and there's like an inspirational I just heard message about this. yeah you yeah just, 
just have candles instead of alcohol, I guess. Or like an evening yoga. I think they, they do that. 100%. And then who wants to, you know, after yoga, you got to go to sleep, right? You're... So that's, that's perfect. Or you've got to like drink like herbal tea or something. Yeah. And maybe now, maybe too, maybe sign up. I always found the yoga was tough because you ended up going, you have to drive home from yoga, right? But maybe you now in this internet age, you could actually sign up and pay even for like a, a certain yoga in the evening or mobility type thing in the evening. And then again, just sort of transition that, make a routine that bedtimes, it goes yoga bedtime, right? And, and it's all easier said than done, and you'll have to really sort of cycle around. I don't want to forget, though, your idea of setting up the, the house, right? Sort of putting in barriers or, or putting in things in the way, right? Um, uh, sometimes literally in the way when Peter really wants to get into parkour training, he just blocks the stairs with bikes. And, and that's a Katie Bowman thing, too, is sort of just making the house a little bit more obstacle ridden right a, a pull-up bar would be one in in the doorway but it could be things you have to step over um you could be very it could just she removed chairs basically I was gonna say we're not getting rid of our couch peter but it, it could be a, a standing desk you know and maybe you just try and not start the day on the chair eventually you'll have to go to the chair or something um, so there's there's lots of things as far as obstacles and you can put in your way or or take out of your way uh, we do have a habits course. We should mention that at this juncture. Uh, that would be free, a good thing to mention. free sort of email newsletter you get, and you can sign up for that at consummateathlete.com. And it's seven days? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's just seven short emails every morning with sort of a new little, very small habit to work on. And some of them are the the kind that are more like setting things up for success. Some are more like actually doing a thing. Right. And I think the feedback we've got is, you know, maybe not every day resonates, but you're trying to cycle through and have someone just say like, hey, did you think about your habit? Did you think about your environment? Did you think about trying this? And, and then hopefully you find one that then again, it seems like a small thing that you do 10 squats, but in a year you've done a lot of squats. Yeah, exactly. I was starting to do the math. I was like, that's 3,500 squats in a year if you do them 10 right, a day. Right, right. Versus the person, I always say, you know, whether it's strength training or walking, you know, you want to go race running or race biking. Are you going to bet on the person who's done these extra squats, you know, as sort of their general preparation in addition to the the cycling? Or are you going to bet on the person who's just done the cycling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the the last kind of element of the the consummate athlete sort of ethos is the is the community. I mean, you know, I got into cycling and that became sort of my life because I loved my cycling team so much. I was on Rutgers Cyclocross. They were fantastic. Um, it really, you know, made me the athlete I am today. And I, I wouldn't have really stayed in sport, I don't think, had it not been for finding that community. And I sort of thought I wouldn't find that necessarily again. I thought that was like pretty hard to come by. Um, and then, you know, moved up to Ontario here by myself, not by myself, obviously with Peter and wanted to start making some of my own friends who weren't just directly related to Peter and ended up finding a group of women here who granted run way too early in the morning. Um, but they do sometimes run at reasonable hours and they invite me along for those. And, you know, it's the ability to go from cycling to from road cycling to mountain biking to trail running to running on the road um that's let me meet so many different people and really build up my my local community so i think the cool part about being a consummate athlete is basically the people it gives you access to and the ability to kind of get into all of these different groups and find friends through sport yeah, and I think we're aspiring just like everyone in this respect, right? The people who are able to get into some of the, you know, team sports, pickup leagues, um, 
you know, just different, take it wherever you want. It could be pool. It could be, you know, darts. It could be hunting. It could be, uh, we just had an archery episode. There's all sorts of different things as far as movement that could be incorporated into this. Right. And that's the idea is to take, you know, all those basic human movements and think of sports and applications, right? Like, can we swim? Can we throw? Can we, you know, walk? Can we do, you know, there's all these different things, you know, uh, obstacle course challenge. We've had Ryan Atkins and Lindsay Webster on, uh, that would be a great, you know, pretty multi discipline, multi-skill type racing application in a lot of ways, right? There's all sorts of different durations there as well. Um, so it's trying to think how we can spiral those movements and different areas into different people, right? We, you know, different groups that we associate with. Um, and I think as you've said, it's, it's very compelling as you start getting into those different groups, all the different people and opportunities that you meet. And then speaking of habits, you get people who are bugging you every morning to go for a run. Right. And that's really what we all need, right. Is someone who reaches out periodically and just says, Hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I talked to, I have, you know, some people I know who aren't athletic necessarily. And the one kind of like constant refrain from them is like, how do you make friends as an adult? And I think the answer tends to be like, if you find a sport, that's probably the easiest way. Well, and again, a movement, right? Like I could be a walking friend. We've had Barb Barb Gormley on with Nordic Walking would be another example of, you know, it's not that you have to be doing it the most extreme or intense or, or anything, right? There's, it's really sort of an, a blank slate of, of how you move. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, hopefully that kind of gives people a little bit more insight into, into what it means to be a consummate athlete. Hopefully that gets you excited about the idea of being a consummate athlete. Um, and before we, before we wrap up, we'll just add that, you know, over on consummateathlete.com, we have a totally revamped site now, and it's, it's got everything from the podcast to a ton of articles, videos, um, coaching, pretty much everything you could possibly want. It's one-stop shop. So if you're thinking about wanting to start kind of getting into this consummate athlete lifestyle, that's a really good place to start, you know, look through the podcast archives, look through the article archives, see if anything really jumps out to you or, you know, helps you along your, your mission to becoming a better all around athlete. Um, and you know, we'd love it if you got in touch, we have a contact page, you can hit us up there. You can find us all over the interwebs at Peter Glassford and at Molly J. Herford. Um, or, and you know, if this episode or any of our episodes have helped you out, we'd love it if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, um, let us know what you think, let us know what you want to hear more of. Um, all of that is just super helpful and we deeply appreciate it. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. While you still have your podcast app open, do us a huge favor, head over to iTunes or whatever app you're listening in and rate and review the podcast. It's super helpful. It, you know, gets us more guests on the show. It gets me a dog. Um, and it's just, you know, a good way to give back if we've provided any kind of value to you throughout all of the episodes you've listened to. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find those at www.consummateathlete.com. We have lots of other content over there and any information about coaching or events can also be found at that same website. And you can find us on the social medias at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. 